You're listening to Our World is Local with Nick Kilby and Heather Jameson. Hello and welcome to Our World is Local, the podcast that covers all things local government. I'm Heather Jameson. I'm the editor of uh, the MJ Municipal Journal. And normally, um, anyone who's been with us before will know I'm usually joined by Nick Kilby from Kratos. Um, He's currently stuck on a train somewhere between here in central London and Surrey. So he won't be joining us today. Um, It's just me, but we will have a guest uh, on later. Um, So in true local government style, we're going to crack on and make the best of things, which probably brings me nicely to the subject of today's podcast, which is the Chancellor's Autumn Statement. Um, And we will be joined, as I say, by um, the chairman of the LGA, uh, James Jamison. But before that, just to tell you, I've just come back from the County Council's Network Conference, uh, where the former Chief of Staff for Number 10, uh, Lord Gavin Barwell, did an absolutely superb analysis of the economic and financial situation we're in at the moment. Um, I would thoroughly, they normally put videos of the presentations up on their website, so I thoroughly recommend that one. Uh, He made some good points, as you would imagine, but overall, overall, my takeaways were that the pain from the recession comes now for the public and businesses, so local government will have to support them through that. But the pain for public spending will be in a couple of years' time, and there's no long-term plan for how local government funding is going to work after that. That's it's probably a, um, a fairly usual um, situation for local government to find themselves in. Um, the autumn statement will cushion the blow of the recession following the rather disastrous mini-budget that Kwasi Kwarteng did, um, but that doesn't change the overall economic trajectory of the country. And the hardship um, has been pushed back until after the election, which is um, which even Lord Barwell was uh, was quite honest and open about um, how unlikely it is the Conservatives are going to win that. Although he's predicting not a not as big a majority for Keir Starmer as you might expect. Um, so enough of uh, enough of me rambling on. Let's join um, Councillor James Jamison, who is chairman of the LGA. Uh, James, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Great to speak to you. And you. Okay. Um, I know uh, you were quite positive when I saw you earlier this week about some aspects of the auto autumn statement. Um, But since then, we have had Croydon issue another Section 114 notice due to the interest rates on its borrowing. And I think there's another uh, another couple of councils that we are keeping a bit of a watching brief on. Um, So overall, what did you think of the statement? And is there going to be a lot of difficulties for local government and for councils who who are just not going to be able to uh, meet their costs financially? So the statement of itself, and bearing in mind the tough times that the country is in, I think I greeted and a number of councils greeted with a sigh of relief. Uh, it wasn't as good as we might have liked, but it was far better than I think many of us were expecting. And and what was very pleasing is I think this is the first uh, statement where we have seen local government placed on that same level as health and education where we we have been treated better. Um, But that's not to say that there are many, many councils that are facing very severe times. Um, We made very clear before the statement that we thought just the impact of inflation 
uh, over the last year compared to where we were expecting it to be, uh, represented around 3.4 billion. Uh, and so what was pleasing was the amount of money that effectively uh, additional came to go to local government was around about the same number, depending on how you calculate it. So something like 2.3 billion extra in adult social care from the extra billion and the 1.3 billion uh, because the adult social care reforms were not happening, but we retained the money and the uh, higher than expected uh, referendum limit for council tax and adult social care precept. So it compensated for the inflation, but it didn't compensate for all the other things that, that we all know that are going on in terms of demographic pressures, um, higher, higher children uh, spending, higher energy costs uh, in leisure centres. And, and every council's different. So some councils have been impacted to a greater extent than others. Uh, and the autumn statement is is a, a national statement. So, yes, there are councils that are in genuine difficulties. Uh, and, you know, Croydon is an example of that. OK, um, just in terms of we'll come back to uh, council tax in a minute, because I want to talk a little bit more about that. But um, for the moment, do you know, have you guys got a, any indication of how um, many councils will be hit by um, rising cost of interest based on their borrowing because presumably most of them borrow through um, the uh, public works loan board so which is historically low rates is there going to be quite a lot of um, councils who are in the same boat as Croydon is at the moment so we've not done that analysis and of course it depends on how uh, they have chosen to fund themselves did they take out longer term fixed rate were they on floating rate uh, and all the things like that. So we have not done the analysis. We are, uh, as I think most people are aware, that if interest rates are going up, there will be some councils who are impacted. Yeah, not to mention uh, not to mention mortgages. Um, right. So going back to council tax, I mean, um, so the uh, according to um, IFS statistics, I think we're looking at about five hundred ninety million, which is less than half of what would have been raised by. Um, the um, national insurance rise. I mean, overall, is it going to be politically difficult for your local authorities to be raising council tax in the current circumstances? Well, this is really a really difficult area for us. So both council tax and also uh, council housing, um, where we have the opportunity to raise, we recognise that, that our residents are having a really tough time. We're all having a tough time. And adding to that burden through council tax, uh, you know, is a difficult choice. But, you know, councils are faced with this difficult choice. Do we place a burden on our residents or do we cut services to some of the most vulnerable? And I, I and that is the difficult dilemma that, that every council is going through at the moment. But But what do you do if... If you're going to have to put yourself in the position where you cannot uh, provide packages for vulnerable older people, you will have no choice. And is Jeremy Hunt just shunting the blame onto you guys rather than taking responsibility and raising taxes himself? Um, well, I, I think the Jeremy Hunt, like everyone else, is trying to have a balanced view of life. Um, you know, to what extent do we... Um, fund these things centrally and to what extent do we fund them through local taxation and then that brings into the whole question of 
what is the appropriate taxation model to fund things like adult social care or children's services? Uh, and, you know, we've been talking about um, local council finance reform for years and years, and, and we don't seem to have got very far. Well, having said that, I mean, uh, Michael Gove was quite, and I think he's refreshingly honest, isn't he? He, he spoke to the, um, the select committee this week and actually answered questions, which I feel is quite unusual for some of the national politicians. Uh, but he did um, admit that he's looking at council tax reform, didn't he? Uh, yes, he did. And um, you'll not be surprised that I have immediately sent him a short note saying, Michael, I'd appreciate what you're thinking of. And and how about um, how about the um, delay to the deal not reviews? I mean, speaking, um, listening to the CCN conference earlier this week, there was a very good point made that effectively we've got a failing um, care system and to add extra costs and extra burdens onto a failing system isn't going to work. It's got to be resolved before the deal not reforms come in. Um, and what what's your view on that? Well, well, we had a very clear line that there are a number of trailblazers and this is an opportunity to see the results of those trailblazers, uh, what impact they have, what is the true cost consequences of the social care reforms and also an opportunity to get the software and other things set up so that the cost of implementation, never mind the cost of actually delivering them, uh, is reduced and is uh, robust. Uh, and, and I think that's right. And delaying for two years now, absolutely, you know, we agree with the reforms. But I think as the CCN um, conference alluded to, actually, is the number one thing you want to do today uh, to save some people some money by putting a cap or do you want to address the fundamental issues that you know of low pay not enough resources uh, and the need to think of how to do things differently in adult social care so that it is a more resilient and robust system and I'm, I'm certainly in the camp of saying we really need to look at how do we do adult social care in the long term it needs a long-term solution. Do you get you know you knock on doors um, at least every four years, if not uh, if not more than that? Do you get uh, much um, inclination that the public um, both um, understands the issues and cares about the issues? I, I think the unfortunate thing is both for children's services and adult services, unless you're exposed to them, it's not top of your priority. And you know, I was knocking on the doors. Uh, last weekend and you know the issue on the doorstep was speeding um, and potholes uh, and that would normally be the main issues for people potholes speeding dog poo leisure center and council tax and it's only when you remind people about things like adult social care that they go yes that's important and and the interesting thing is the number of people who don't realize that adult social care is provided by the council. Uh, a, a number of people think it's provided by the NHS. And, well, that's always the way, isn't it? I think I think local government is the unsung heroes of the public sector. Um, so, a lot of the um, harder decisions have been pushed back. You know, the pain at the moment is going to be in the public's pu uh, purses and for local businesses, uh, which local government is going to have to do an awful lot of work to support people through. Um, 
But for local government and public spending, it's going to be a much longer term. And possibly, I think, um, a lot of the uh, chat at the CCN conference was it's been pushed back until after the election. And I think there's a sort of a recognition that the Conservatives would do very well to win the next election. Um, sorry, general election, I should uh, specify when I'm talking to a local politician, shouldn't I? Um, but in terms of what's what's going to happen in the long term what do you foresee that there will be uh, more stability after that or are we looking at another recession and uh, round of austerity as we did in the 2010s well one i'm not going to comment on politics because i'm cross party despite being a conservative uh, you know i the, the thing is about crystal balls you know, I came into this role and I was really keen to look at some long term solutions on adult social care, children's services, getting some sensible planning reforms through. Uh, and I look back and say, was I expecting COVID? Was I expecting the invasion of Ukraine? Was I expecting you know, whatever it is, three or four prime ministers and half a dozen housing uh, ministers? Uh, no. And, and so I think that crystal ball gazing is really difficult. Uh, and so I think we need to focus on how do we make it better because we can't forecast the future. And and both in children's services and in SEND and in adult social care, there are definitely better ways to do it. And we really need to do that. And we need to find you know integration with the health service. Uh, we need to focus on prevention. We need to focus on early intervention. And I think as a sector, we really need to engage with the ICS, the ICBs and the ICPs, because that is an opportunity to move the NHS from a top down centralised model to a more local model and a model that is more focused on what residents need and want. And residents don't want to go into a hospital. They want to be kept well. They want to see their GP. Uh, and we need to look at things like that. And and that, I think, is the thing that we need to use this two years to work with government about how do we come up with a better model uh, for, for adults, for adults of working age and for children. OK, and well, slightly on, on a similar subject, we're looking at the, the long term better model. The better model, presumably, is having a higher tax base um, and bringing in more revenue in order to pay for services rather than uh, raise taxes to pay for them um, or, or constantly cutting them. So um, we still have a, a, a productivity pro problem in this country. Looking at the investment zones, I think they were possibly one of the misguided aspects of the mini budget because they were so widespread. But were you disappointed to see them binned from the autumn statement? Um, well, there was a huge amount of interest across the sector in investment zones. And while they weren't perfect, I have to say Central Bedfordshire put forward three, there was a potential to do some much more interesting local stuff uh, with them. Uh, so it's disappointing uh, in many ways that that's not continuing. And we really do need growth. And, and I am absolutely adamant, and I am like a broken record on this, you know, if you want to do more growth, if you want better public services, then you do it on a placed base and you have genuine devolution and you look at transformation at a local level. We are far too centrist in this country 
and it is a huge loss of resources. Um, and I'm quoting off the top of my head, so forgive me if I get the figures wrong, um, but I can email them to you afterwards. But if you look, for instance, on getting to level six carbon uh, reduction, uh, if you did that through a national program, it would cost almost 200 billion and save uh, about 57 billion in total. If you did it on a localized place-based approach, it would cost 58 billion and it would actually save more in energy saving because it would be more focused of over 100 billion. There is a huge benefit from doing things properly on a local basis. And this is the argument that I constantly make. There's also a much more efficient use of, of the public purse. All these bids that we make for HIF, Newtown, uh, sorry, high street funds and so forth cost a fortune. And the LJ analysis shows that each of these bids costs about £30,000 to the council, never mind what it costs to government in assessing it. Uh, we then have disjointed projects because it's never a place strategy. It's a series of projects. You know, having a single pot of funding that is long term, that allows each area to do the right thing for its area, which will be different in London to in you know Exeter to Central Beds to Liverpool to Newcastle you know they all have different issues and requirements we really really need to turbocharge devolution and genuine devolution so on that I mean uh, we've just had the announcement come in um, on the Scottish referendum that Scotland's not even allowed to have a referendum again to find out if they want um, uh, the um, uh, sorry independence if we look at that and the government's approach to council tax where they're they're sort of sort of eking out you can you can have a tiny little bit more um council tax i mean the the level of um centralism has gone a bit ridiculous would you given a choice would you allow um councils you know is it a free for all would you just say council tax can go up by whatever you need would you say scotland can have a referendum if they so choose well i don't cover scotland so i can duck that question <laughs> um but i i do think as a point of principle uh you know councils are properly elected by their residents and should be accountable to their residents so as a point of principle i think councils should be allowed to raise council tax to a level uh, that their residents are willing to pay for the services that they get and you know if one council wants to have a really mean and lean strategy and low council tax and another one wants to provide a whole host of services uh, then I think that should be up to local residents to decide not Whitehall um, but where I would fundamentally object is where um, the chancellor or treasury use the get out of jail card of higher council tax in order to fund services that should be centrally funded. So um, again, and that goes back to the the point about um, the effectively the um, in some respects, the blame for council tax for tax rises is going to local government rather than uh, central government. And that's the difficult choice that we have. And um, so I would I, I would like to scrap the referendum limit 
but I would like uh, central government to adequately fund or come up with a funding mechanism that properly funds adult social care and children's services. And, and that's what we need to start thinking about what we are thinking, but we need to start delivering a long term strategy on those two key issues. And council tax is not an appropriate tax, in my view, uh, to fund something that has the level of demographic pressures that we see in children's services and adult social care. And again, that comes back to uh, not just um, people paying for thing for services that they don't use, um, uh, or paying an awful lot of money for services that they don't use, and also um, for service cuts. Um, is it difficult? You know, you you visit people on the doorstep, as I said. Is it difficult to explain to people why council tax is going up at, in those circumstances where they're getting much less for their money? Well, it is. And um, if you look at your average council, 70% of their spending is on adult social care and children's services. But in most of the public's mind, they're paying council tax to get their roads fixed, their bins emptied, uh, their local leisure centre, their library, looking after their parks and so forth. And, you know, I certainly on the doorstep frequently say, uh, you know, when they set complain about level of council tax, I point out, well, actually 70%. Uh, which for an average council of £2,000, uh, £1,400 is going for adult social care and children's services. Do you think we should protect the most vulnerable in our society? And, and obviously the answer is yes. Uh, but you're only paying £600 for getting your bin emptied every week, for getting your roads fixed, for getting your parks done, for having a planning system, for countryside access, for you know building control, libraries, leisure centres and so forth. And and does £600 represent reasonable value for that? And I think most people would say, yeah, it does. Okay. And um, what would you have done in the budget differently if you'd had control over the Treasury? Uh, I, I think the key thing for us is actually reform of adult social care and children's services and SEND. And that needs a grown-up conversation about what is reasonable to expect and how will it be delivered and that involves some difficult conversations for instance around moving money from acute care into having more gps more community nurses more prevention because in the long term the only way we can sort out social care and the health service is to have fewer people needing to go into hospital we have a healthier population and the only way we're going to do that is not by uh, focusing so much of our resources on hospitals and we need to put more into into the community care and, and I think one of the interesting stats now I got this off the telegraph so I can't <laughs> verify it um, but it was since 2009 we've had a 30% increase in the number of hospital doctors but an 8% decrease in the number of GPs and to me that feels the wrong way around yeah yeah okay um just finally, you know, it's really difficult at the moment for local government. Are you are you positive or, or are you slightly concerned for your colleagues? Um, well, I am concerned, but I am very, very positive because I genuinely believe that local councils can and will deliver the best services that they can for their residents. And the best way of delivering those services is to empower local councils We've had difficult times and we are going to have some very difficult times and I'm genuinely worried, but but I'm by nature an optimist. And, you know, 
we will have to keep pressing to get the support that we need because it is the rational thing to do to empower councils. Right. I think um, I think everybody who is in local government has got to, by their very virtue of being in local government, has got to be an optimist, really, haven't they? Um, I'm going to say a huge thank you to you for your time and for uh, for answering all the questions. Um, I'm sure Nick will be kicking himself that he didn't make it to ask all his own questions. Uh, but to uh, Councillor James Jamison of the LGA, thank you so much for joining us. Heather, thank you very much. Well, it's great to have James Jamison join us uh, for Our World is Local. As ever, thank you for listening. Uh, really disappointed we didn't have Nick with us this time round, but I'm sure he will be back and enjoying it uh, next time round. Uh, and we'll see you then. Thanks. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Our World is Local, brought to you by Craters Communications. Copyright Craters Communications. Mm-hmm.